I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but uh, what we wear uh, reveals often sometimes about us. We look at somebody, what they're wearing, and sometimes we make a judgment about their character or something, and got to be careful of that. What we wear isn't the most important thing, but, but you know, it does tell us things, right? It tells us uh, sometimes a position in life. You see somebody with uh, diamonds, rings, and fancy gold chains, usually you think they got a little more money than you, or else they have different priorities, I don't know which. Or you can tell a job, you know. Many jobs have a uniform of some kind, or you can tell a person who works in a certain type of business field as opposed to your working man, whatever, the blue-collar, white-collar stuff. <laughs> you can even tell a person's attitude sometimes, certain styles of clothing, uh, especially when you're younger, you wear a certain kind of, do a certain thing, change your appearance. But there's something even more important than what clothes your body. And that is what clothes your life. What characterizes the way that you live? You think about when I wake up in the morning, what what attitude do I put on? What actions do I take throughout the day? What words do I speak? These are things which are outward that indicate what is going on in our hearts, revealing who we are on the inside. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 about how the world is dead in their trespasses and sins, but God, through Jesus Christ, has made us alive together with Christ by grace through faith. We as followers of Jesus, those who believe in Him and what He has done on the cross, have been given a totally new life. And that life in as we go into chapter 4 of Ephesians, we, we find that the follower of Christ is called to put off our old way of life and to put on Christ's way of life, a life of holiness and love. We have been given a new life in Christ I want to encourage you this morning that it is time for us to put off our old ways and to put on the new clothes of righteousness to learn to live as children of God. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll start in verse 17. Ephesians 4 verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated or separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them that is due to the hardness of to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And we'll just stop there for a moment. 
um, though most of these readers, most of the people that were believers in Ephesus were non-Jewish. They were what we would call Gentiles by birth. They lived in a Gentile culture and way of life. And Paul, who's speaking, he says, in the Lord, speaking on behalf of Christ, commands the believers to no longer walk as the Gentiles. In other words, to no longer live the same way that everybody else in the world was living around them. They were not to live according to their old ways of life, but according to their new life in Christ. You know, Paul paints a pretty bleak picture of our world here. Humanity is characterized by futile or empty or foolish thinking, a darkened understanding, separation from the life that is found in God, a callous and uncaring heart, and lastly, even giving themselves over to all kinds of sin, all kinds of things that are outside of the limits of what God what is good and right in the sight of God. And how, how is this so? The text tells us it's because of their ignorant and hard hearts. The ignorant and hard hearts of mankind. And this ignorance is interesting. We a lot of times we think ignorance is, you know, bliss, right? You don't know better, well, it's you shouldn't get punished for it, right? But this isn't the, that kind of ignorance. This is the kind of ignorance that comes from a heart hardened. And a heart is hardened by making choices of rejecting God and His ways in our lives. It's really a result of humanity's choice to reject God as the Lord and Creator of all. We see this really clearly in Romans chapter 1. Uh, if you would turn there, I'm going to read from 21 to 32. It's a long section, but it really um, speaks to this. Because, uh, you know what? There is a lot of good in this world. There's some good things, good people. Um, we can rejoice in what is good in this world. But the Bible also teaches us very clearly that everything is not okay. And Romans 1 is one passage like here in Ephesians 4 that speaks to this. Romans 1 verse 21 says, Although they knew God, they're not completely ignorant, are, they? are we? Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or give Him thanks. But they became futile in their thoughts, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Though they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for an image resembling mortal human beings or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the desires of their hearts to impurity, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creation rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. It goes on to describe that and speaks again in verse 28. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, 
God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what should not be done. And what follows for four verses, or three anyway, is a very long list of things. Every kind of unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, malice, rife with envy, murder, strife, deceit, hostility. They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, contrivers of all sorts of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, covenant breakers, heartless, ruthless, although they fully know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but also approve of those who practice them. It really speaks to humanity rejecting God and his ways. And so God then gives people over to what they want. And we see all kinds of evil and wickedness in this world. Our world objects to this view of mankind. Many people will say, well, I don't live like that. I'm a good person. And they'll talk about the good things they do, and they're not wrong that they've done good things. But yet the Word of God tells us that no one is good, that compared to the standard of God's perfect righteousness and holiness. We have all rejected that and gone our own ways. The good news of God's word is not about us then becoming good or being good enough, but that Jesus was perfect and good enough for us. He was more than good enough. And he died for us so that through him we might have life. So that those who trust in Christ no longer live according to their own desires like the rest of mankind. No longer have no concern for what God says, but care about his way. we often quote but really do need to think about and remember is that we therefore in Christ we are a new creation the old has gone behold the new has come and so Paul tells the believers in verse 20 but this is not the way that you learned Christ Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. The old way of life, a life of rejecting God's authority and his ways is not the way of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth. and The truth is in him. It means he is the one who determines what is good and righteous and pleasing to the God. And so those who know the Lord, who know the truth, we have been changed 
by him, given a new life. And we're called in verse 22 to put off our old, your old self, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Follower of Christ is to put off the grave clothes of our former way of life. We've been raised to life, but they're like Lazarus are still the remnants of grave clothes on our bodies. And we're called to be clothed with what is good in the sight of God. To be renewed in our minds to put on what is good and right and true. How do we do this? What does this mean for our lives? We talk about putting off the old way of life. The first thing we have to do is, is identify what's wrong with our thinking and actions. You can't confess a sin if you are not willing to acknowledge it or to search our hearts and to ask the Lord, search my heart, O God, see if there be any grievous or wicked way within me. And so we, we need to get at the heart of the matter, be willing to call sin what it is and to confess it. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's just suppose we all got angry at something. Let's suppose a situation didn't go the way you wanted it. And naturally, we tend to not like that as human beings. We could just say, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I made mistakes today and, and go on with our day and be happy because we said the words. And Real confession maybe looks a little bit different might look a little bit more like saying, Lord, forgive me. I struggle to, to give up control of my life. I got angry today because I thought that through being angry that I could take control of what was going on and do things the way that I wanted them to be. But really, I was being controlled by my anger instead of trusting in you. Please forgive me for thinking that I could do a better job than you. Help me to trust you the next time things don't go my way. The kind of confession where we are honest and getting to the heart of things, not just brushing it off to be forgiven, but because we actually care about the fact that we have sinned against God. We want to change. We don't want to remain the same. You see, the work really isn't done just by confession. <clears throat> True, the Lord forgives. You need to be seeking his forgiveness. But unless we have put on something else, unless we have put on a, a heart attitude of humility, and sorrow over sin, 
faith in God. There is no change. We'll go back to that same pattern of the next time something doesn't go my way, I'm going to get angry again because I have not truly worked through in my heart and asked the Lord to help me. I have not gone to the work of saying, Lord, help me just to trust you when things don't go my way. Be kind of like if we decided I'm going to take off my clothes, but we didn't bother putting any new ones on. So it's uh, it doesn't do you any good at all. <laughs> and so you go back to kind of the same same habits. Jesus uh, spoke to this in Matthew 12, verse 43 to 45. He said, when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, it passes through waterless places. It's looking for rest, but it does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the home that I left. And when it returns, it finds the home empty, swept clean and put in order. And it goes and it brings with it seven more spirit, other spirits, more evil than itself. And they go in and they live there. So the last state of that person is worse than the first. And Jesus said that it will be that way for this evil generation as well. The getting rid of evil is only the first step in walking in holiness. Godly repentance is turning from a falsehood to the truth. So if we do not put on the truth and we do not know the truth, we will never be able to find the victory that is in Jesus, that is by faith in him. And to fill our minds and hearts with the good news of Jesus Christ dwelling on him rather than dwelling on whatever it is that we fill our minds with in our natural selves. The mind, the mind is the place we make decisions. You make decisions consciously and unconsciously every day. Every day I get up and I go right to the coffee machine and you put the filter in and you, you know, that's your, or whatever it is your, your habits are, you, you, you do them unconsciously. Other decisions we make very consciously. We know exactly what we're doing and why. And so, to see lasting change, we need to be renewing our minds, shaping them by the Word of God, which is truth. This was Jesus' prayer in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. O Lord, your Word is truth. This is the Lord's desire that our lives would be shaped by the Word of God as the Spirit works in us and directs us and points us to His Word, teaches us what it means. Learning to make decisions based on the Word of God is, is huge to, to this. So we're also... So we're called to put off sin, to confess it, to acknowledge it, and to mean it. 
to put on the Word of God, to renew our minds. And, and lastly, to put on holiness and righteousness. And where do we get holiness and righteousness? Well, ultimately, holiness and righteousness is not found in ourselves, but it can only be found in Jesus Christ and looking to Him. It's been said, we do not weave our new clothes, but we are to wear what God has given us by His grace. Okay? So you didn't make it by your good deeds. You didn't create your wonderful righteousness and holiness. But it is, in a sense, it is that wearing of what God has given to us by his grace. I want to be clear, the good news is that we are justified by faith in what Christ has done. And the word justified means we are declared righteous in the sight of God, able to come into his presence with no need for fear, condemnation, because we have been given Jesus' righteousness to wear. There's a responsibility then for us to live in that righteousness. And this is impossible without the work of Christ. It's impossible without faith in him. We can know right and wrong, right? Many people in this world know right and wrong, and they many times generally choose right. And yet, without Christ, it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because Christ alone is able, and so we must rely on Him. So we've talked a little bit about the process of putting off and putting on, needing the Word of God to renew our minds. Well, chapter 4, verses 25, all the way to 5, verse 2, give us some examples of putting this in action. What does this look like? Let's read verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, Having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I, I don't know your specific struggles, but... Old habits tend to die hard. And these are things I'm sure in here we can 
see areas that we wish the Lord to continue to grow our, our awareness of our need for him in these areas and uh, the need for change. Consider the, the contrast here between living your way, my way, and God's way. If we take any, any of these struggles with sins that are here and, and really consider the opposite, we have the putting off and the putting on. From lying to speaking the truth, there's an openness there instead of a hiding. From angry to quick to reconcile to giving no opportunity to the devil to be angry, to dealing with those desires that make us angry is a way to give the devil no opportunity in, in, uh, in anger. From stealing to working hard to giving to others. From corrupt talk, this, uh, the word is like a spoiled food or, or a crumbling stone that's useless and and uh, unhelpful, uh, even destructive. You imagine a foundation made of a crumbling stone. It's going to collapse. It's not, it's not a good thing. From that kind of talk of putting down to edifying and timely words, from bitterness and evil intent, which is what malice is, to kind deeds and forgiveness. The putting off of sin involves putting on righteousness and it involves uh, recognizing that what area that we need to grow in. If I, if I need to grow in, I'm going to use the example of anger again. If I need to grow in the area of anger, What is it that I must put on? Put on that slow to speak, quick to listen, to think through what I'm going to say. If I'm worried, if I'm dealing with uh, lying, I don't want people to know my real self. I want to make up stories or or hide wrong is to be open about that to acknowledge these things and so I guess what I'm trying to illustrate and say is, is simply that there when we know what areas we need to grow in we you don't uh, yeah, my brain but uh, anyways I'll, I'll forget about that thought because my brain's not uh, working today. <laughs> Guess I wasn't very clear in my notes, but we need to be working at and thinking about uh, areas we need to grow in. That's what I'm trying to say. Want to identify and turn from sin, and identify and turn to righteousness. And 
And so there, there's a wrong way of going about something. I could go about something with anger, or I could go about something with kindness. And so understanding what it is that God would have us to be doing, how he would have us to be responding, needing to know the good and perfect will of God. And also the grace of Jesus Christ. So if we forget this, then it becomes just a striving to be better. And that becomes very hard and it can become very depressing for a person trying to do and yet forgetting that Jesus has forgiven all these things and that we must come to him and seek him for for the grace to live out his word. Whatever our struggles are, we need to look to the word of God to know the truth. Learn to identify and confess sin. Learn to identify, put on righteousness. And to to live out that truth by relying on Jesus' strength. In the middle of all these things is a command. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And it's put there, and it sticks out, I think, for a reason. The Holy Spirit is the proof that we belong to God, that we are a new creation, that there is a day of full redemption coming, that we have been sealed for that day. Protected by him. And ultimately it is grieving the God of our salvation that is the real tragedy of following our old way of life. Ultimately this is the saddest thing about when we, uh, when we don't put off and put on and when we don't look to the word of God to the truth of Jesus Christ. It is that we are grieving the God who saved us, who loves us so much. I just want to remind us of that. Sin is a sin against God. And as those who call God Father, this should make us sad. But it doesn't end that way at all. Verse 32 tells us we are to forgive as God and Christ forgave you. And chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 go on to, to speak of the love of God. Therefore, imitate God as beloved children. Remember that. We are beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. We love because he first loved us. It is impossible to live a godly life without remembering the love of God. Because it is the gospel that renews our minds and our hearts to worship and to obey. Christ's forgiveness, his death, which redeemed us, which paid the penalty, For our wrongs is the motivation behind our acts of love 
and of righteousness. He enables us by his spirit to live as we were called so that all the glory goes to him in all things. Through him, we can do away with sin and live God's way because he gave himself up for us and died in our place. Ultimately, what we see is that Jesus is not only the truth but that we are to follow, but he is the only way that we can. He has done it all. He is the truth that we are to follow, but he is so the only way that we can follow after God and enter into eternal life. So what is impossible with man is not impossible with God. I want to ask the question, do you believe that Jesus is the truth? And, and that it's not me that is the standard of right and good. I don't get to decide, but the Lord does. We recognize, if we recognize that, we recognize that we need him. We, we cannot measure up. There is the good news of what Christ has done on the cross. Do you believe that Jesus is the truth? Have you turned to him for life and salvation? If you have not, I would urge you to commit to trusting in what Jesus has done for salvation. Considering his death that he took your place so that you could have life. To submit to Jesus, who is the truth, to walk in the new life that Christ longs to give you. And if you have, if you can say that Jesus is the truth, that I have trusted in him for life and for salvation, then the question remains, what clothes your life today? What attitudes you put on? What actions do you take? What words do you speak? God has made us new and he calls us to walk in newness of life. You know, there's... No simple, easy, quick road here. But it's a path of life that we walk with God behind, before, and beside. Always looking unto Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life.